0: Hello, my name is Juan Carlos Guzman Betancourt. In this episode, I will be telling you my true life story. So,
1: we did it. After two years, more miles than my carbon footprint will thank me for, a couple of false leads and just a bit of luck, I'd finally tracked Juan Carlos down. And now, me and my executive producer Sophie were sat opposite him, in the sunshine of one of the Spanish islands, Although, Juan has asked us not to say exactly which one. True to type, Juan has arrived smartly dressed, though informally, in a crisp white shirt and a pair of jeans, with some bespoke Converse trainers. And of course, on his wrist, he's wearing an expensive watch. Are you okay for water? Yeah, I have some, yeah. This is a particularly surreal moment for me. I don't know if I ever really believed I'd be here with the man himself, the man I've been searching for for two years the man I've been learning about and telling you about for the last six episodes. And yet, here I am, and here he is, drinking a strawberry mojito and smiling affably. Do you mind just you you even more forwards? You can just pull the seat ever slightly forwards. I hadn't actually planned what I wanted to ask him, and I know that might sound strange, but I didn't want to jinx things in case we never got that far. And there was so much I wanted to know. The next two days were pretty stressful, I'm not going to lie, mostly because I didn't know how long Juan would stick around and if anything I said might make him just walk away. Nice and close, that mic is perfect. Lovely. But over the next two episodes, you'll hear our conversation, one which I made sure would challenge him about his behaviour and drill down into why he does what he does. I didn't want to give him an easy ride, but I also wanted him to tell me everything he could. So that we have a record of what we're recording. (laughs) This is a podcast about you. Um, As you can see, because there's lots of microphones, we're recording for the podcast. Um, Just would you mind introducing yourself, just saying what your name is, and that you're consenting and you're happy for this to be recorded?
0: Should I say it in English? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Whichever whichever accent language you prefer.
0: No. Um, My name is Juan Carlos Guzman Betancourt, and I consent to this interview.
1: From What's the Story Sounds, this is Con Juan. Episode 7 how to be a con man. In the flesh, Juan is much as I expected him to be, if a little taller, to be honest. He's friendly, charming, or should I say disarming, actually. And the six hours I would go on to spend in his company would turn out to be enlightening, to say the least.
0: Okay, let's go.
1: And after he promised to tell me nothing but the truth, I asked Juan everything I've always wanted to know since I started this podcast, and everything that I hope you, the listener, wants to know too. But it makes sense to start from the beginning, on the tarmac, where we first started this journey back in episode one. Did Juan really stow away in the wheel well of that aeroplane? And how on earth did he survive that flight to Miami? I
0: remember sitting at the airport at the end of the runway, there is this little fence, like maybe one and a half meter high, and there is a tree. And I, was, I used to sit there all the time. And I used to see the, car, the, the planes when they come over uh, just before they take off. And I just jumped the, the, the fence, and I get, went under the, 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 the engines of the plane, and I just climbed up there. Um, I had no clue what was inside and I just hold myself in there in one of the corners and the plane start moving and taking altitude and it was one point when the door just opened suddenly you have a black hole down there and the the wheels they just start coming back up in a position from the the winds of the plane into the into the plane, and they are extremely hot. In that moment, when they come up, they are really, really hot. And they came straight, very close to my body. And they just stopped in one moment. And then the door just closed again. And I remember seeing in the black, there is light in the plane within within this compartment. But down there, I used to see the little lights of houses. And then it was just suddenly the light and the sound and the... um, the liquids, these acids that comes from the different uh, parts of the plane. It comes in your eyes and it burns and it starts getting cold, cold, cold. And I felt when we landed and we moved through the runway, but it was, I, I don't see anything. Of I, I see the big city down there, but when, when you land, you don't see anything because the doors are closed. So I'm in there, in top of, I, I tried to move and I ended up on top of this door and suddenly it just opens.
1: Watching Juan tell his story, it felt real to me. He was polished, in a sense that I felt like he'd told that story once or twice before. But he was also thinking back, remembering. I'm no body language expert, but in the room, I
0: didn't really doubt what he was saying here. I remember seeing a man and that man starts screaming and he started running. And suddenly I see other people coming over and then I saw lights and all these things like, you know, this red and blue and lights and all this, and people touching me and trying to see. And There was one young man, I don't remember his name, and he tried to talk to me and I actually answered it. And then he say, he's alive. He say, he say in Spanish, I was alive. And then everybody just turned back to look and they said, well, yeah, he's alive, you know, they were talking in English, but apparently that's what they say. So they called the ambulance and the ambulance came over and took me to a hospital and they all were talking, but I didn't understand <laughs> <at the> day. <laughs> back in the days. I didn't speak any English. And suddenly was all this, uh, uh, how would you say, this fuss about the entire situation. To me, they won't say anything. You know, the doctors and the nurses, they give me uh, hospital clothes and help me to wash and everything. And they were checking on me and then they would draw me back to the airport to send me back to Colombia.
1: As we know, Juan didn't end up back in Colombia. Not yet, anyway. I asked him how he felt tucked into the wheel well of that aeroplane. I imagine most people would be terrified they were going to die. I know I certainly would be. But that wasn't Juan's reaction. Were
0: you frightened? No. That's the crazy thing. I didn't feel anything, just cold. You, know, you just feel extreme cold. And this sound that it doesn't give you a head deck, but this sound is so painful in the brain. It is actually painful in the brain, you know, because the, the, you feel the, 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 the ears, in so much stress that is painful to the brain. You don't have a headache, it's just painful to the brain.
1: We know that Juan's story starts not only as a stowaway, but, well, not as himself. I wanted to know why he hid his identity from
0: the very beginning, something which has become the hallmark of his career. And I have found at the airport uh, tickets for a male and a female, I don't know the ages, and they thought that was mine. So they asked me, and I remember the name, his whose name was Guillermo Rosales. And they asked me, This is your name? I say, Yes. And they told me, How old are you? I say, 13. And they, they just wrote that. That's the theme of our conversation.
1: I asked Juan something, expecting him to reveal some grand master plan. And it turns out he just went along with whatever situation he was in, at least at first. According to Juan, his daring journey to New York, the one that went up and over the toilets and
0: through the air conditioning pipes, well, that was much the same. I have never planned anything. I'm just the kind of a person who goes with the flow. And I remember I was supposed to go to Cartagena. I, I had some money and I bought a ticket to go from Bogota to Cartagena. And it happens that that same flight did a Bogota, Medellin, Cartagena, New York. It's not that common in
1: the UK or anywhere else that I've been, but Juan is talking about a flight that would stop off in
0: several destinations, with some passengers disembarking at each one. So we stop in Medellin and when we arrived in Cartagena, I said, well, I will stay here. And if they kick me out, they kick me out. If no, just keep going. But it was something funny because I have a toothache at the moment. So I left the plane through the back of the plane in Cartagena. It's a very small airport. And I left the plane, and the flight attendant, she, I asked her if she had a painkiller, and she said, no. She said, she told me, no, I don't have. So I went to the office from the plane, I went straight into the office of the same company and asked the lady in there uh, if I can have a painkiller, and she said, from where you come from? I say from the plane. And she went crazy and told me, do you left that plane? I said, yes. She just grabbed me from the arm and back, draw me back into the plane and asked the, the flight attendant, did he left this plane? And she was like, yes. You are not supposed to leave this plane. This is a sealed plane. Get inside. Then she came back with the painkiller. During the time I was outside, I believe they counted the passengers. And when I went inside, they just closed the door right behind me. And then we landed in New York. And I did have no option. I arrived in New York. I remember it was cold as hell. and It was around 2 in the morning. I don't remember because the flight was late. And... Uh, I was in shorts and this, you know, these T-shirts that have no slips or anything, and sandals, and <laughs> I don't have a passport. I don't have an even ID. And I went, at the end, there was a toilet. So I went into the toilet, and I stay in the toilet. Suddenly, sometime later, an officer comes inside. And I walk outside, and there is one officer here and one officer here, I walk through the middle. And they didn't tell me anything. So I was in the customs area between immigration and customs, and I tried to walk out. And there was this uh, African-American lady, was, I remember, she she's tall, very beautiful, and she asked me, son, where is your custom sol- uh, paper? And I say, oh, my family have it. And she said, well, you have to cross here when you, you come with them. You cannot cross alone. You need to have this. So I walked back, and I remember there was, you have the tunnel, it goes left, and then you have another one that is on the right that it says Delta but there was nothing in there. Like there was no flights at that time. So first I went into the X-ray machine. I got into the X-ray machine and then I said, no, if they turn this on, they will see me here. So there was a door. <laughs> I remember there was a door and I opened the door and there was only a chair, some things for cleaning and nothing else. So I got in the chair, but there was no ceiling in there. It's those ceilings that you can remove, you know, those uh, plafond things. and. Uh, got in there and then I just decided to climb into the wall because I saw there was the wall and it keeps going that way. So I climbed into the wall and I stayed there. I don't know how many hours. I start moving further that way and I pull it up the this type of board that was there and I see a yellow taxi going through. I don't know how much time I was inside there. I opened the door and it was already daylight. And I remember walking through a a big highway, and a man he stopped. And he asked me, what are you doing? Where are you going? I don't understand. And then he talked to me in Spanish and happens to be a priest. Juan confirmed
1: the story about borrowing clothes from the priest, posing in a cassock and getting free travel on the train back to Miami. And he spoke fondly of his time in Florida. We'll come back to his memories of the Lozanos and of his lawyer, and the things he got up to when he thought that nobody was looking. But when it comes to how Juan does what he does, I had to get on to talking about his hotel robberies. They're the first thing I'd heard about, the crimes Christian had told me about, which kicked off this whole journey. So how does Juan talk himself into hotel rooms, break his way into hotel safes? What are the secrets of his craft, the actions which make him a successful con man? How do you get inside the room in the first place to then call security and open the safe?
0: That's absolutely easy. Back in the days, or even in our days, you just go to reception and say I forgot my key, and they give you a new key.
1: I tried that earlier. I went to reception and said I forgot my key. They wanted to know what room I was in, and they wanted to see
0: my ID. How did? Did ask you? That's the first. That's interesting.
1: So what did Darrell not do? You,
0: you look like a criminal, Daryl. <laughs> you are not trustworthy.
1: I look suspicious. <laughs> yes. <to> <laughs> After reconciling myself with the fact that I apparently looked like the biggest lawbreaker in the room, and after Juan stopped laughing, we continued. But honestly, I, listen, we've heard stories But yeah. some of the people on these reception desks or in the hotels, they say, we asked for ID. The policies, we asked for ID, we want to see something, we want to, or at least you've got to say what name you are, what room number you want. So how do you know what room number, what name,
0: who you being, what, what's the story? The thing is this, Daryl sometimes they 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 may ask you sometimes the rules is that they have to ask for security but the rule as well is that you don't want to bother the guest the rule as well is lie till the end because if we go in front of a court and we tell the court we just give the key to the person we are the ones on travel you know what i mean
1: i think so what juan is saying is that the hotels might be supposed to ask for id but they don't always and when it comes to a police investigation it's their word against his, whether they did ask or not. And unsurprisingly, given his track record, Juan is rarely the one that's believed. But he says with
0: exclusive clientele, it can be hard for the hotels to do what they're supposed to do. If you go and you tell an emir, I'm, give me your passport, the emir will be like, who the fuck do you think you are talking to? So they are afraid that you will insult the guests. And they prefer to take the chance. Very few people will ask you for an ID card. Another thing is, when I go into to do the things, if I see a room number, for me, it's very easy to find out who is staying in that room. At least the last name of that person. How do you do that? Ah, the secret of the trade. <laughs> you yeah, but it's something absolutely easy. I can go to the room, look at the room number, go to the receptionist and say, can I have a copy of my bill? I'm not asking for a key. I'm asking for a copy of, of your bill. And in that copy of the bill comes your name, full name, your credit card number, your address, your telephone number, your email, your date of birth. And when I have that information, I remember that information with a question of a minute or two. I go back and I say, hey, I forgot my key. They will not ask me anything because she already believes that I am the person and they will give me the key. Do you spend time in the hotel lobbies watching people,
1: thinking he's a wealthy man, he's no, coming out be- of a nice suite, that's the person
0: I should bet into? I have better things to do, trust me.
1: I'm not so sure. At the very least, Juan admitted that he would know if somebody was in the expensive suite before he went down and asked for a copy of the room charges. You've seen the Do Not Disturb sign, so you know that there's somebody in the very expensive yeah. room. You know the layout of the hotel. Do you explore and understand my exit points so how can i get out where is the security where is the,
0: the, do, do you do all of that in in all the hotels the security is only at the main door and all the hotels have at least 20 or 30 entrances or exits due to the fact that there are the, the ground floor of the hotel is used with bars restaurants cafes shops which have direct ac- access from the street and from the hotel so you can just cross through any of them you know what I mean it's not like in here even in here you have areas that have different entrances like you can entrance you can use the main entrance and then leave through the beach is there a security in the beach
1: no so do you but will you at least walk around that hotel maybe the day before or the week before and just just to work it out no 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 I can tell you one thing, if I really was the master criminal that apparently I look like, I would need a plan. But Juan is adamant that you don't need one. And you can't fault his confidence, I guess being a con man, that's the one thing you have to have.
0: No, really, you don't need it to, okay. don't need to. Because when, when I do the things, the person do not find out at that moment, they maybe find out the day after or two days later. Juan told me that he'd committed
1: robberies in almost every country he's
0: visited. Always
1: high-end hotels. He's lost track of how much he's taken, how many times he's snuck in and stuck out. And when we first met outside the casino, he actually boasted to me that throughout his career, he'd never once been caught mid-theft. Never been caught in the act? Never. Is that something you're
0: proud of? You, you, quite, you seem quite pleased about that. Well, I should have a certificate of that, like the Guinness record never caught in the act. You know, that would be cool. I should ask for one. Yeah, that's a good idea.
1: All this talk of how Juan did what he
0: did led to him asking some questions of his own. My question comes now to you guys. How on earth do you get with me? How do we track you down? Yeah.
1: Two years of... Well, to start with, we only knew as far as... um, Paris? About 2015, Paris maybe, because then that was in the newspapers. What I felt was, might be the case is that the clues to where you were or are now, the clues to that might be in your past. So we, we wanted to go back and try and understand what was true from the press, what was true in the media about where you came from, what happened in Miami, what happened in Las Vegas, what happened everywhere else. And we started speaking to people and word spreads, I guess. But We talked to more people, we talked to more people. Somebody said, do you know what? You may be in Austria, so we took a chance and wrote a letter to more than one prison. I think we wrote a letter to the prison. And what was? Your, well, let me ask you that. What was your reaction when you received our letter?
0: Um, I became a really good friend one one of the officers, and he. in there, they ask you for permi- to for you to give permission. Sasha called me and he said, you receive a letter. I remember it was a brown envelope or a white envelope. I don't remember. Who's Sasha? He's an officer. Sasha told me you receive an envelope. Would you like to have it because it's not in the list of people that you have? And I say, who is it? He just whoosh, open it and he start reading and he said, I say, okay, give me that shit to me. <laughs> <laughs> don't read my mail. And um, I read it and then I just wrote back to you saying that when I'm out, I will contact you, if the case be. And I don't remember if I give you any uh, telephone number or anything. You didn't. So I wrote back and gave you. All the best way
1: is the email address for you to contact us. Um, and it's, uh, it, it was in the little book that I have. And then we didn't hear anything. No, I
0: still have the book, but I didn't
1: run to anybody. So you had our details and you, you chose not to get in touch.
0: Yeah, and then my brother, a uh, couple of months, a month or two or something, like that, I don't remember. He starts saying, look, there is one guy. And he starts sending me, there is this man, he's
1: bothering us. Yeah, that'll be me. More politely inquiring rather than bothering,
0: though. And I'm like, who? Some Daryl. And he started sending me, and then I was like, I remember this Daryl from England. And then uh, my brother before that, a couple of months ago, I think several months ago, uh, say that my cousin has contacted him because somebody else has contacted him who was in contact with somebody from England who was... I was like, oh, God, leave me alone. (laughs) So
1: persistence had paid off. All that effort trying to find friends and family, it had worked. Juan had received my messages. And here Juan was at last. And inevitably, Juan wanted to talk about Christian, wondering if he was about to show up. In our exchange of messages, Juan had made it clear he didn't want to meet Christian. He didn't want to sit down with a cop across the table but had brought a message to play to Juan. And when he listened, for the first time in our meeting, he was a little speechless. Hello, Juan Carlos. This is Christian, one of the detectives who uh, looked for you and arrested you back in London many, many years ago. I was always intrigued by you uh, and how good you were at what you did. What you did back in London in the hotels. how influential your actions and your demeanour and lots of things about you, how influential they were to me when I uh, when I became an undercover officer pretending to be other people. But yes, it would be brilliant to be able to chat to you. I've got many, many questions about you generally, to be honest, um, and how you how you do what you do, or did what you did. Uh, anyway, hopefully I'll be able to speak to you soon, that would be really nice. Um,
0: yeah that's it uh, speak soon. Cheers What do you make of that? um, what can I say I'm kind of speechless. I never thought an officer would say such a thing you know what which bit particular that I would inspire him to become a better cop. It's great that he actually use it for a positive way you know if i can
1: say you seem a little bit different after hearing that than you did before has it surprised you
0: yeah 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 you know but I never expected such a, a thing
1: getting back to the how i asked juan carlos about how he travels about his passports how does he get in and out of countries does he forge documents to sneak in and out i didn't know how open he would be but he started to divulge some of his most closely guarded secrets.
0: I have other names, many names, many passports. Tell me, who are you? Who are your other names? Oh God, (laughs) so many, I don't even remember. You know, I must have the passport here and just read the name and then, yeah, I remember this dude, you know, but I have too many things. Too many names.
1: How many identities do you have? I don't
0: even remember. Somebody told me 90. Oh, probably more than that. More than 90? Yeah, that's the known ones. What do you mean? The ones that the police may know, you know. Well, there I are th- others that they don't even have a clue. Okay. Um. How do you get them? How do you get these passports? How do I get those passports? I, uh... How can I explain? I have a passports from Spain, I have passports from France, Italy, I have... A, British passport, I have American passport, I have Canadian, New Zealand, I have now Argentinians, I have Brazilians, you know. Okay. So you have all of these passports
1: and they're all in date? Are they all in your name? How do you renew them? No, 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 I
0: have them in different names.
1: Different names. Okay, so what's your, maybe you can't tell me your British passport's name, but do you remember the names with the passports? Do you remember them as as people?
0: And do you, it's, it's not as people, as, for me it's as characters.
1: Okay, tell me about your characters then. Give me an example of a character that you adopt or have adopted in the past.
0: Like, in, in my case, every passport must have a story and must have a life. It would be like um, uh, Tolkien. Yep, Juan
1: Carlos just compared himself to the author J.R.R. R. Tolkien, who wrote the fantasy trilogy The Lord of the Rings. Much like him, Juan says he builds entire worlds for his
0: alter-egos to pretend to move around in. I have to build everything. So I will have, I must have everything built for that name. It's not just going to get an, an airport and show a passport. Because if I arrive to the airport or I arrive somewhere, they will ask me, what do you do? You know, what sort of business do you do? Where, where are you born? Well, who's your family? So you have to build everything. You know, there must be some
1: characters that you have that you've
0: expired or that you
1: you no longer because uh, 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 yeah hundreds of them. Can you, can you tell me the story of one of your characters? What are your favourites? My
0: favourite. <laughs> I don't have favourites.
1: For somebody who was clearly quite proud of his network of fake identities, he seemed reluctant to tell me much about them. So I asked Juan to talk me through the planning of a crime and how he chooses which identity to use. But let's say tomorrow you go and do a job and you decide you're going to go to Morocco.
0: Do you have a Moroccan passport? No. Could who? who? Not even the Moroccans wants that. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> can't even leave Morocco with that thing.
1: Will you tell me? Talk me through the thought process of, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do a job. This is what I need. This is getting in character. How much, how much preparation you do? talk, talk no, me through you it. D-
0: you don't need the preparation. Uh, at the moment that I have the passports, I know what it's each thing. When I travel, I will take three or four passports with me. Because I will enter this country with the one name, when I leave that country and I land in the next country, I'm a completely different person. A completely different nationality, a completely different date of birth.
1: Is that to cover your tracks?
0: Yeah. It's not just to cover your tracks, because if they are tracking you with this passport, you don't expect a completely different person to land. You disappear, you know. So, where do you keep all of your passports? Where do I keep most? That's a secret of trade.
1: Should not be revealed. But they're not, they're not just, you know, tucked under the bed or under I the know.
0: Like grandma, no.
1: <laughs> so what do you do? I have different places to hide them, to keep them. Friends or secure places? Secure places. And what else do you have? Because, okay, so, oh, I'll come clean. One of, the, one of the police officers we spoke to mm-hmm. thinks that maybe you have a secret stash in London.
0: Of course! Come on, a good, every decent criminal must have it. London, Paris and New York. Of course.
1: <laughs> of course! <laughs> so if you can't tell me whereabouts in London it is, I'm not going to be able to... It's a to
0: fashionable it. place, I can tell. Okay.
1: Despite promising to be open and honest, Juan was starting to be evasive. But I wanted to know more about this stash. I'm not going to be able to find it. So why don't you tell me what's in it? What's
0: in your stash in London? My stash in London, from documents, to money, to clothes. Clothes? Of course.
1: Why would you need clothes? You know,
0: especially to places like London, that it's pointless of travelling with clothes to London.
1: So you arrive in London, you go to your secret stash, mm-hmm. pull on a new suit? No, I just go home. To me, it's home, you know, it's one of the houses that I have. you got a house in London?
0: I'm not telling you anything.
1: <laughs> do you spend time maintaining it? Do you know how much money you've got here or there? Or is it sometimes you go to them and it's a surprise? Like, oh,
0: I forgot that was there. Yeah, actually, even in my pockets, sometimes I put the hands, so like, oh, oh, I got some money here. You know, <laughs> I forget everything. I swear, I don't remember I put the things and I forget it.
1: How much, uh, how much money do you have around the, that you can just access around the world? Cash? Yeah.
0: It depends where I am, I don't know. In total? In total, I cannot tell you because I don't even know how much I have in London. All
1: right. You
0: know, I don't know how much I have in New York, I don't know how much I have here in Spain, so I don't know.
1: We're we talking thousands,
0: tens of thousands? More than that, of course. What will you tell me? I can, live Th- give me very the I, I can I can sleep very well at the Ritz for a couple of months without problem. <laughs> you know, not the millions in every place, but enough.
1: I didn't want to push Juan too much more on this, because there was lots more I still wanted to find out. Crucially, I hadn't yet got stuck into why Juan's life had gone the way it had. And I wanted to take stock of what Juan had told me so far. I found myself liking him, enjoying his company and his stories. But the words Christian had said at the very beginning were still ringing in my ears. Do not believe any word this man says. Everything that he does is is calculated to deceive. Maybe I was being sucked in. Maybe it was time to start holding Juan to account and drilling down into that question of why. So next time, that's what we do. We go through Juan's decisions. We look for reasons and we find out whether his criminal career is finally over. Con Juan is a What's the Story original podcast series It's presented by me, Daryl Brown. The words of Juan Carlos are played by, well, actually, the real Juan Carlos. Music is supplied by KPM Production Music and Universal. The executive producer is Sophie Ellis. And our consultant, the man who kicked off this journey, is former detective Christian Plowman. What's the Story Sounds is the home of great storytelling. If you want to listen to more What's the Story content, you can visit our website at whatsthestorysounds.com and you can subscribe to What's the Story Plus, where you'll find ad-free content, bonus episodes, and you'll get exclusive access to episodes and series before anyone else. You can find all the details on Apple Podcasts.